Hello, my name is Thomas. Welcome to British Culture Albion Never Dies. This episode is all about Doctor Who. I'm talking to my friend Daniel Gaster, who you can find on Instagram at Daniel Gaster. He is a Whovian. In the last Doctor Who episode, he shared about the origins of Doctor Who and how that carried forth to one of the most iconic of the classic Doctor Who's Tom Baker here. We'll start from Tom Baker, carry on into the modern era, just pausing when we get to the appearance of an iconic British actor. Before that, I'd just like to say I have been contacted by an American friend because in the last episode I said several times I was surprised how little known Doctor Who was in the USA and a friend of mine messaged me. Here he is. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it may be. I'm Christopher Morales, that one Bond guy. For Thomas's podcast here, Albion Never Dies, uh, talking about all things Doctor Who. Funny enough, I actually knew about Doctor Who and was a fan before Bond back in the early 2000s. Uh, growing up, my parents had the BBC channel on almost every day. So I was very familiar with shows like uh, Father Brown and some of those other mystery shows, The Adventures of Agatha Christie, Hercule Powell, all of that fun stuff. And one of those was Doctor Who. Funny enough, um, I actually remember getting so into it that I saved $500 by doing chores every single day for two years to get the 10th Doctor's trench coat. It was one of those things that I just really wanted to add to my own tutorial collection, and to this day, I uh, regret selling it, but uh, it was a huge part of my life for sure. Thank you very much to Christopher Morales. You can find on Instagram at that one bond guy. We will talk about that trench coat later on. But first, let's go into the interview with Daniel Gaster. Starting with the, the most important question I asked last time, does the Doctor kill? I don't think you ever see him kill on screen. I mean, he obviously defeats, but he gives them the option. Like, you, I can defeat you. I'm giving you the option of standing down, going home, forgetting all about this. Mm. So he is he is trying to be morally correct in everything he does. But in terms of pulling a trigger, you never yeah. see that happen. Um, but uh, he probably has. Okay. He okay. probably has. A couple of things with the Fourth Doctor, and then I'll move. I'll, I'll move on. The sixteenth series of Doctor Who introduced a year-long story arc called the Key to Time. And this is the first time that they've done it. They have done it since. Um, there was a series with uh, Colin Baker called The Trial of a Time Lord, which was, again, a year-long story arc with different stories within it. And most recently uh, with Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor uh, called Flux. Um, and that was made during COVID. So it's a, it's a shortened series, but it's a series that is uh, sort of a whole story arc. In the 18th series, uh, production has changed. The doctor's outfit has changed and we are introduced with the question mark, on his <laughs> outfit, which is something that then remains from from 1980 to 89. He also, the doctor always. And again, this is one of the things most known about the doctor is he's, he always wore a question mark in the 80s. So he has a new outfit. He's got this bright red. He's got this red scarf instead of his sort of multicolored outfit. But uh He's not getting on with the production. So he hands his, his, his letter of resignation and to his his. Um, 
confusion it's accepted i think yeah <laughs> i think it's one of those things where he's like you know i'll, I'll quit and you go, okay then <laughs> yeah um, he's quite surprised um so logopolis is the in series 18 reintroduces the master after quite a long break without seeing the master and control of a radio telescope and he falls from this radio telescope and causes his fourth regeneration into the fifth doctor with the fifth doctor he is uh, much younger he's the youngest person to play the doctor at this point i think he was like 29 it's peter davidson mm. davis davison not with a d davison one of the notable episodes in his first series is Earthshock. again this is a reintroduction of the cybermen I haven't seen them for quite a long time they were only seen once within tom baker's era so they've not seen for about six or seven years at this point his companion adric at the end of the episode is killed and it's the first time real time that you see a long-standing companion within uh doctor who that actually dies uh, as a result of his journeys with the doctor most people refer to another character in in uh, william hartnell's but he she traveled with the doctor for one or two episodes and, and and is killed uh this character traveled with the fourth doctor for a year and then most of the year with the uh, the fifth doctor as well but um it's the first time it's the first time you actually see that and the credits just no music it's just titles yeah. coming up it's very very emotional uh ending of that and it's the uh like i say it's the it's the first sort of poignant point where you, you realize that traveling with the doctor isn't safe it isn't yeah. you know not everybody comes out of this well uh and you know result of some of these things you see companions leave for things like i can't do this anymore yeah some of them would, would have stayed with the doctor forever but something happens uh, but you know, it's the first time you see the doctor's companion actually die as a result of it, and and that is actually start is uh, is a spaceship that explodes, but it actually wiped out the dinosaurs. So if that hadn't happened, again, it's a fixed point in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the following I know what year. Happened. <laughs> the following year is the twentieth anniversary, so we've got a multi-doctor episode again called the the Five Doctors. Uh, at this point, William Hartnell is actually no longer with us. So they have a stand-in first doctor. Um, the fourth doctor, Tom Baker, does is still not quite happy with the production team, I think. Uh, so he's, he's, he is in the episode through uh, a, uh, an episode called Sharda, which was started, but then there was a, uh, a strike. So they never finished that episode. So they're using clips from that episode, uh, that story into this in terms of, uh, they tried to pull the fourth Doctor out of history, but they couldn't do it because something happened. Series 21, The Caves of Androzani. This was this is also a fan favourite episode in terms of the storytelling. So it's probably got second place after uh, Genesis. And this is the fifth Doctor's last uh, episode. And this is where he is poisoned uh, by a, a toxic uh, chemical that's on the planet. And he's been able to give the antidote to his his companion, but there wasn't any for him. This is also the first point in time where he says regeneration might not happen. He might actually just die. Uh, but he slowly starts to regenerate into uh, Colin Baker, who's the sixth doctor. Now, this doctor is quite brash. He's very colourful. He's Joseph in his um, amazing technicolor dream coat. Um, he's basically bad taste, is his is, uh, outfit. Um, now, the sixth doctor is not very popular in terms of the story writing at this point in time is has is declined it's not very good um you can see some of that when you watch the episodes back and it's not the fault of, of the actor it's just you know what happened so after 
the 22nd series, it was sort of put on hold for a little bit. And then they had this story, this year long story arc called the trial of the time Lord. And they thought, well, we're on trial. We'll put the doctor on trial. And this is kind of the same trial that the second doctor went through that caused his regeneration into the third. They're putting him back on trial for being involved. Um, but at the end of this series, they've decided, you know, we're going to have to change Doctor, change direction and everything. Um, so this is the first time that a Doctor isn't present for the regeneration. So the start of series 23, the time in the Rana, you see the back of the Doctor. <laughs> the, do- the TARDIS is attacked, it lands, and you see the Doctor on the floor is injured somehow. They turn him over, his face is already sort of blurry, and then he, and then Sylvester McCoy comes out of it. And it's essentially Sylvester McCoy in a wig. <laughs> turn him over and then like start regenerating start regenerating pull the wig off and then right end regeneration uh so yeah it's the only time that a doctor wasn't present for the regeneration uh and that's because they essentially fired him and he didn't want to come back to you know i've been fired i'm not going to come back and do do that yeah. um getting towards the end of this so um the series is, is carries on for another few years uh but series 26 is the is the final series that's um 1989 and that is the last show survival was the last episode uh, last story that went out um my sort of history with doctor who in terms of when i remember it when i was a child is actually this last series the first story of it was called battlefield and it reintroduced the brigadier it introduced um bessie which was uh the third doctor's yellow car um and um yeah i have memories of that like my childhood memories of that so i must have been about four or five at the time but that's sort of my earliest memory of those and then growing up they put repeats on bbc2 uh during the 90s so that's sort of my entry was actually the third and fourth doctor from that perspective because i saw all these episodes on repeat so yeah so then no doctor who after that so from 1989 um seven years go by and they try and there's a rekindling for doctor who and this is where they they have the tv movie which was uh, a one-off tv movie which was about 90 minutes yeah that's paul mcgann right yeah yeah that's it paul mcgann is introduced as the eighth doctor so you've got half an hour with sylvester mccoy seventh doctor he dies because he was shot as he leaves the tardis and um although he's recovering his body is sort of doing the things that he needs to do to recover um he's seen as having like a heart arrhythmia heart attack or something like that so they do surgery to try to um take the bullets out uh, and unfortunately complications happen because they shove a thing in his second heart so mm. uh he's uh, he dies on the table uh the anesthesia stops so he doesn't actually regenerate at this point it's not for several hours until he's in the morgue in one of those freezer cabinets that he regenerates uh, into paul mcgann uh with a probe still in him and uh, everything else Unfortunately, so this was supposed to be like a, a joint venture with um, BBC and I think Fox in the mm. States. It was recorded in Canada, but uh, that was it. It was one night only and that was it. But poignant moment within that was the doctor kisses his companion, which he's never done previously, yeah. but also opens you know the gates for the new series when it returns in 2005. So yeah. again, another poignant thing that happened. Um, brand new TARDIS interior. So if you again one of the staples of the TARDIS was a, there's a big white room with uh, circles on the walls which you know although the the rooms changed over the years and everything that sort of motif continued throughout uh, this is a big sort of gothic cathedral type 
TARDIS on the inside. Um, so really, you know, beautiful set and everything like that. But again, one use only and you never saw that again. I'm Michael Severs, the writer, producer, and creator of The Silver King's War, a podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Stanley L. Silverfield, a first lieutenant in the United States Army Air Corps from Birmingham, Alabama, rode in the nose the greenhouse of the famed Martin Marauder. You can find The Silver King's War wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> I think the in-universe explanation, right, is that he just moves rooms within the TARDIS because it's so huge. Is that right? Or the TARDIS is almost infinite in terms of the, the size, but yes, the the the, the architect, architectural reconfiguration, so he can reconfigure rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, in the new series, you see, like you know, the TARDIS is badly damaged and essentially regenerates itself. So okay. the the you know, you, which is where you get the new sort of TARDIS interiors every few years. All the doctors basically gone to work um in a period of time where he's been off the tv and he's going oh, okay i've done some work and here's the new interior yeah just to go back it's interesting you talk about you know, him kissing the companion right so originally the relationships are more like well grand grandfather and granddaughter or like a school teacher it's it's very different yeah so the te- i mean the, the 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 concept of the doctor the first doctor is his grandfather figure he was only in his 50s at this time but he's made up to look a lot older um and then his companions are uh, the first set of companions. The two of, of Susan's teachers, school teachers. Uh, one's a history teacher, I think, and the other one I think was either English or maths. Can't quite remember. But then Susan left at uh, the beginning of the second series, and then you're introduced to new companions that are younger. But again, it's this sort of fatherly, grandfatherly figure in terms of trying to educate the people around him. Um, but yeah, the companions are seen as. Um, people he travels with to educate them to, to basically they are our entry point into understanding what the doctor is because if the doctor was all alone he wouldn't say anything to, no. to anybody <laughs> in terms of i'm going to do this or this you know this this is the poignant point of history or this is this alien race that i counted years and years ago um so yeah the concept of you know that that relationship was always that of um like you say, like a fatherly figure to these companions, or at least sort of a friend to these mm. companions. Um, but that sort of changed with uh, the beginning of the new series when it came back in 2005, uh, headed by Russell T. Davis. So this is a reintroduction to the Doctor to a new audience. It's been 16 years since the last series, excluding the TV movie. So... Um, the Doctor is reintroduced. Uh, he's played by Christopher Eccleston. This is the ninth Doctor. So we haven't got a regeneration from the eighth to the ninth at this point. Um, he is very much just, uh, we, we start off with the companion not knowing mm. anything. And the Doctor is sort of thrown into her world. And it's very much her trying to work out what is going on. Yeah, that episode is called Rose, right? Because it's so focused it on her. It's so focused on her and it works really well because that is kind of what every companion is to mm. uh, the audience member. That is how you understand the story, what is going on, etc. So the doctor just turns up going, hello, um, how are you? Um, I'm going to, to blow up this building. You better go off uh, and don't tell anybody. Otherwise, you'll get them killed. And then 
and then he turns up again later on. Um, so that is the reintroduction of, of uh, the Doctor. Little is known to him at this point. They've still got the TARDIS. There's a key thing that they wanted to keep was obviously the blue box, the sound that the TARDIS makes when it dematerializes, rematerializes, and obviously the concept of it's bigger on the inside, as well as the theme tune. Um, so, Phrased by a woman, right? No. Uh, oh. so ah. it was, no, uh, Delia Derbyshire, I think who you're referring to, actually, she redid the uh, thing in the radio, in radio workshops. So she added lots of different bits to it mm. um, from the second. Doc- so essentially from the second Doctor's second series all the way up to uh, the sev- uh, fourth Doctor's um, last series. Uh, one before the last series, they used the same theme tune in terms, they didn't change it at all. It was uh, Ron, uh, Ron Howard, no. Again, he was an Australian, but he came up with the theme tune. Delia Dobbs rearranged it, mm-hmm. and that's the one that's most classically known, which has that sort of, sort of sting at the beginning of it. And then it was redone in the 80s, and then another two times, one for the Trial of the Time Lord series, it was redone for that, and then the Seventh Doctor had his own Theme, uh, version of the theme tune as well again this was reintroduced by murray gold who did the music arrangements all the way up to the 10th uh, series before the introduction of jodie whittaker as the 13th doctor um so um again not much is known about uh, the doctor at this point uh, the next episode which was the end of the world which sees the actual destruction of earth but essentially it was his time that's that was it for for earth the Doctor, at the end of this episode, explains that he is a survivor of a time war. His race is the Time Lords. He's the last of the Time Lords. Uh, and that he his race went and fight against another, which was the Daleks, and everybody lost. Mm. A few episodes later, there's an episode called Dalek, which shows the last of the Daleks. Yeah. Uh, um, and at the end of this, and this shows like the Doctor sort of very much a, you know, he's going to pull the trigger. He's going to kill them. And Rose has to step in and say, how are you any different to it if you're going if this is what it makes you yeah the, the dalek has sort of changed a bit and destroys itself and then it's at the very end of the of the first series that we see the daleks actually did survive the war they've been in hiding for generations and they've re-established they've rebuilt although the doctor is essentially rose that actually defeats them the doctor to save rose takes all the energy from her and that kills him and then he regenerates into the 10th doctor now christopher eccleston only did one series and this is widely sort of Mm. there were there were issues between the actor and production he had previously done with russell t davis uh the second coming where i think he played like the second coming of jesus and he loved the writing that's why he sort of what you know put his hat and going if you're doing this i want to be involved but there's something you know it's never not quite known what's going on but um that's why he he only did one series. They're all uh, quite coy about this when I've read interviews. They they yeah. all agree something happened, but they seem to disagree or seem not to be so open about what happened exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we don't quite know what's happened, although he has recently started portraying the Ninth Doctor again for Big Finish. Now, Big, uh, I'll quickly sideway to Big Finish. Big Finish are produce audio stories, audio dramas. And they've been doing this with Doctor Who since 1999 with originally with the uh, with the fifth, sixth and seventh Doctors. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, with Peter Davidson, Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy. Then a few years later with Paul McGann. So he's been doing a whole run of Eighth Doctor uh, uh, stories as well. Tom Baker, a lot of time passed before he got involved. And then they've been using voice actors to re-portray the first Doctor and the third Doctor. John Coleshaw is involved, who, who does lots of sort of imitations as well. He's been reprising the Brigadier. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's a huge array of stories that are there for sort of in between what was seen on the TV and so on and so forth. But it's allowed new audiences to see that when, you know, there's a big gap between mm. uh, the start of the new series. But also, you know, Colin Baker's, for instance, like I said, wasn't referred to as, very, you know, as the, you know, the best doctor. Some of his stories on Big Finish have been widely renowned as the best audio stories that he's done because his acting is really, really good. It's just, you know, mm. the stories that they had, the writing that they had at the time. So it's sort of given him a new opportunity to be the doctor he wanted to be. In yeah. that sense. Um, and that's continued. We've got ten, uh, David Tennant has been doing stories as the 10th Doctor on Big Finished as well. So there's lots of and lots of all the former companions and so on and so forth are involved. So it's full sort of audio dramas. Um stories where you know some of the doctors aren't with us anymore so they're sort of stories read read by former companions as those companions and so on and so forth so it's not just the uh the tv stuff that's out there there's lots of audio stuff as well and books and so on and so forth but yeah it's really nice to hear that christopher eccleston's still in love with the character even though he wasn't in love with the production so the 10th doctor david tennant he is widely he is he was a super fan coming into this and he's still a super fan uh on the other side of it he's um married to um i find uh, a computer indispensable georgia <laughs> moffat georgia moffat uh, uh, who is in real life peter davidson's daughter so uh he's married to the doctor's daughter <laughs> which is yeah. which is odd uh but she she was uh, in one of the episodes um, called The Doctor's Daughter, where some of his DNA is taken and they produce a daughter from, from uh, <laughs> both sort of father and mother. Uh, and that's how he met his future wife. Uh, and, oh, wow. Okay. You know, so that's how he met her. And then they started dating and married lots of children. So his father-in-law is himself. <laughs> I'd like it, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, uh, David Tennant, he is probably uh, my favourite Doctor uh, from the new era. He wears a suit, which, you know, I love a suit, uh, but with trainers and a very, very long coat. And I love love that coat. That, that look is quite good, although I think uh, Spacer, Matt Spacer wouldn't approve of the trainers. But uh, he's very energetic, sort of. Yes. He's recovered a little bit. Rose has helped him to recover a little bit from the traumas of the, the time war. Um, he's kind of a romantic Doctor, isn't he? It's like. It's a new he's, take. He gets a lot of kissing <laughs> in this. Yes. So, so some of the things that, you know, the 10th Doctor says, so he meets William Shakespeare. He meets um, Queen Victoria, who knights him. He meets other characters in history. Agatha Christie is a big one as well. Um, they reintroduced the Cybermen with, um, with, within David Tennant and the Master as well. So the Master sort of fled the time war to the end of the universe and made himself human and then um when he's become when he's discovered as such his, his consciousness is discovered he becomes the master again becomes the time lord and uh, regenerates into a new younger version of himself uh, so it's the first time on screen you see the master regenerate okay 
the final series, we see a partial regeneration. So going back to, to when uh, David Tennant's first episode, when he's still regenerating, he loses his hand. Uh, it gets chopped yeah. off. Right. One of the other characters finds that hand and uses it as a doctor detector, and then it ends up stuck in the TARDIS. So when the doctor is shot by a Dalek and he's starting to regenerate, he sort of uses it to the regeneration energy. So he heals himself, but doesn't change his appearance. But it's a regeneration, and that that is poignant later on. End of the fourth series, uh, the fifth series. He said that you know he's not going to do the fifth series but he does a series of specials for the next year um, which leads up to the doctor's regeneration uh in a christmas special uh, and that starts the trend of christmas specials um being sort of regeneration sort of mm. handover points so um bernard cribbins uh who plays uh, one of his companions uh grandfathers becomes the companion in this episode because he's wiped uh, the memory of his companion to save her. Um, he's locked in. He's locked in a, a, a cabinet which is about to be flooded with regenerate uh, with uh, radiation. So he saves him after thinking that he just saved everything. He survived despite prophecies and everything like that. And then uh, he's like, "Oh, can you let me out?" And there's no way of letting him out without dying. So. He sacrifices himself uh, and he regenerates into the youngest actor to ever play the uh, the Doctor, which was Matt Smith in 2010. Uh, he was 27 at the time when he became the Doctor and he became the 11th Doctor. Um, again, some poignant things within uh, towards the end of his uh, tenure as the Doctor. As we're approaching the 50th anniversary uh, of, of Doctor Who. So this is 10 years ago in 2013. The last episode of the series before the specials we're introduced to a doctor we've not seen before this is the doctor that fought in the time war but doesn't call himself a doc the doctor so between the eighth doctor and the ninth doctor you have this new doctor which was john hurt mm. very famous british actor done lots of different things i think the things that come to mind in 1984 uh, the yeah. film uh he's done lots of voice work he was in merlin as the dragon Indiana uh, Jones, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. He was in that, yeah. So he's he's a very fam famous British actor, and he played. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to stop it there. I'm going to stop it there. We will hear more about this iconic actor's role in Doctor Who in the next Doctor Who episode of British Culture. Albion Never Dies, all building up to the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who at the end of November. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Thomas. You can find me on Instagram at Fleming Never Dies. You can email me at albionneverdies at gmail.com. Thank you for those who've signed up to the newsletter recently. And, of course, you can follow Daniel Gaster on Instagram at Daniel Gaster. Thank you very much for listening.